As you're turning in your Bibles to Hebrews chapter 10, let me say this. No one you and I will meet today is suffering from way too much encouragement. We need encouragement. We really need encouragement because the times are hard. These are times of stress, the Bible declares. These last days are times of stress because of the wickedness of man on earth. As we go to Hebrews chapter 10, I want you to see the big picture as we walk through Hebrews chapter 10, 11, 12, 13, just in a very overview way. But I believe it will be helpful to us because we've got need of encouragement for the race set before us. And we're in need of endurance, endurance, perseverance. Hebrews chapter 10, read with me in verse 35. Therefore, do not throw away your confidence, which has a great reward. For you have need of endurance, so that when you have done the will of God, you may receive what is promised. For yet in a little while, and the coming one will come and will not delay. But my righteous one shall live by faith. And if he shrinks back, my soul has no pleasure in him. But we are not of those who shrink back and are destroyed, but of those who have faith and preserve their souls. Obviously, the writer is speaking from the heart, writing from the heart, and is telling his recipients, you need to endure. Times are tough. You've done the right thing. You've done the will of God, but now is not the time to look back. That's the message. There's nothing to go back to. And just in a little while, the coming one will come. And when he comes, you'll know it's been worth the wait. In the meantime, the righteous live by faith. Don't go back. God has no pleasure in those who profess faith and go back. No, continue on in the faith and preserve your soul. Now, as we then come to the faith chapter, as it's called, the Hall of Faith, Hebrews chapter 11, the writer defines faith, understanding that faith is something that is our access to God, and without it, it's impossible to please Him. That's what verse 6 declares, and without faith, it is impossible to please Him. For whoever would draw near to God must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who seek him. And what the writer does is rather than say, keep going, he arms people. He arms his readers for the fight through the use of biography. I wonder if you've noticed that. That's what we're about to read in Hebrews 11. It's a very short biography of certain individuals who would be very familiar to the Hebrew audience who were receiving the letter. Again, much evidence here again of the fact that these Jewish people were in fact, to state the obvious, Jewish. And they knew their history. They were intimately aware of their history. I wonder if we were to do the same in our culture in America. How much people know of the Founding Fathers? Do they know about George Washington and Abraham Lincoln? Do they know about certain presidents? Do they know uh, of presidents more familiar to us in our own day, even going back as far as Eisenhower? Do they even know that name? Well, 
here we go, as we read through Hebrews chapter 11, the writer doesn't tell us much about these people that he is going to list because they were intimately aware of these people. They knew. They knew. And so he writes and describes certain individuals and picks out something about their lives that is now helpful for the reader. Learn from these folk from the past and look beyond them to the God that they served and may they inspire you by means of you recalling their life. Recall events in their life where God showed himself strong in them and through them. Verse 4, he mentions Abel. Verse 5, Enoch. Verse 7, Noah, by faith, by faith, by faith, by faith, Abel. By faith, Enoch. By faith, Noah. Verse 8, by faith, Abraham. By faith, even Sarah. Verse 11. By faith, Abraham, verse 17. By faith, Isaac, verse 20. By faith, Joseph, verse 22. Verse 23, by faith, Moses. So he goes on. He goes on to talk much about Moses, or at least a few lines about Moses. He talks about, by faith, the walls of Jericho fell, time of Joshua. Joshua's name's not mentioned, but that's what's in view. Verse 31, by faith, Rahab. And then he goes on to describe others with just a name. Again, I wonder if we could do that in the American culture, but so were the audience, the recipients, immersed in the life of Israel and the people that were the heritage of God's people, Israel. He simply lists names. Verse 32, as we look in Hebrews 11. And what more shall I say? For time would fail me me to tell of Gideon, Barak, Samson, Jephthah, David, Samuel, and the prophets. I wonder, would you be inspired by just the listing of a name? If someone comes to you and says, Jephthah, Would that inspire you? (laughs) Well, it goes to show the writer believed by simply mentioning the name Jephthah, people would understand. Oh, yeah, that's right. He did a lot through faith. He did this through faith. Again, the inspiration of biography. And then he talks of some of their accomplishments under God. Verse 33, who through faith conquered kingdoms. And these are good things. These are oftentimes amazing things. Conquered a kingdom? Yeah. Who through faith conquered kingdoms, enforced justice, obtained promises, stopped the mouths of lions, quenched the power of fire, escaped the edge of the sword, were made strong out of weakness, became mighty in war, put foreign armies to flight, women, received back their dead by resurrection. Some, he goes on, and now it's a different scenario. Let me just go back and look at verse 33, who through faith conquered kingdoms. That's good. He mentions good things here, accomplished through faith. Conquered kingdoms, that's good. Enforced justice, that's good. Obtained promises, that's good. 
Stop the mouths of lions, that's good. Quench the power of fire, good. Escape the edge of the sword, that's good. Were made strong out of weakness, that's good. Became mighty in war, good. Put foreign armies to flight, good. Women received back their dead by resurrection, that's good. But now the tone changes. Some were tortured. Now, I wouldn't say that's bad. I would say that was hard. Actually, to endure torture because of faith in the God of Israel and in Christ and the Messiah, to suffer torture, I wouldn't say was bad, but I would say is very, very hard. Hard circumstance. So some, through their faith, had good things happen, some endured hard things. Some were tortured, that's hard, refusing to accept release so that they might rise again to a better life, that's hard. Others suffered mocking, that's hard. And flogging, that's hard. And even chains, that's hard. And imprisonment, that's hard. They were stoned, again, that's very hard. They were sawn in two. That's very hard. Many scholars believe that's a reference to Isaiah. That's how he ended up. They were killed with the sword. Very hard. They went about in skins of sheep and goats. That's hard. Destitute. Hard. Afflicted. Hard. Mistreated. Hard. Now notice what we've read. Good things and hard things. And does the writer say, well, those who went through hard things, they really didn't have faith because if they really had faith, they'd only have good things. No. Look at the quality of their faith. They endured hard things because of faith. And they are commended, look at verse 38, of whom the world was not worthy. So both those that endured hard things and those who enjoyed good things accomplished what they did through faith, of whom the world was not worthy. God was the one who set up their circumstances, and whether those circumstances were good or hard, they endured through faith. They conquered through faith. Wandering about in deserts and mountains, that's hard, and in dens and caves of the earth, hard. And all these... What is the all in reference to? Those who endured hard things and those who enjoyed good things, all these, though commanded through their faith, did not receive what was promised since God had provided something better for us, that apart from us, they should not be made perfect. They did not enjoy every element of the promise because there was still a promise to come. There is still something yet in the promises of God to keep on believing for. Chapter 12. Now, the first word in our English Bibles is the word therefore. And whenever you see a therefore, ask the question, what is it there for? On the basis of all that's come before, we have this admonition, therefore, On the basis of all this, therefore, since we, now he turns to the recipients of the letter, 
since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses. What are these witnesses? Well, first of all, they're not Jehovah Witnesses. (laughs) Nor are they, do I believe, the saints in heaven watching us. They're in the grandstands. I, I, I don't think so. I think what is being referred to is just that which has gone before. This great cloud of witnesses are those he's just referenced in chapter 11. And they are witness to the power of God, either for the miraculous, the supernatural provision, the conquering of kingdoms, the closings of the mouth of lions, and so on and so forth. They are witness to the power of God, either for good things or to endure hard things. And we're surrounded by these in this chapter. And let them inspire you. That's the message. Why? Because you need endurance. Let's not forget the end of chapter 10. The fact that there are chapter divisions in a Bible, it's a blessing and a curse. It's a blessing because it means we can find a verse very, very quickly. If I said, turn to Isaiah 43 verse 4, we can find it quite quickly rather than having to read through all of Isaiah to find the, the appropriate phrase. And it might be days or weeks before some folk might find it. There we are. Thank God. But chapter verses, uh, chapter divisions are an artificial way of dividing up the scripture and often it impacts our minds to think there's a, a change or time to stop at the end of a chapter and we can pick things up in the next chapter and we forget the flow. We forget the context oftentimes. So on the basis of all in Hebrews 11, the great hall of faith, therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us also, in the same way, of course, lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely and let us run with endurance the the race that is set before us. In other words, they had their race. They had their set of circumstances. We can look back and see the power of God and the enduring nature of the faith that he gave them. But we have our race before us. In the 21st century, we have our race. The recipients of this letter had their race. And let us run with endurance. Key word again, found at the end of chapter 10. Now we find it again, Hebrews 12 verse 1. Let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. You have a race. You might say, it doesn't feel like a race. It feels like I'm marking time. I'm retired. No, you've got a race. There are things God wants you to do. There are things God wants you to to endure for his name and endure the race set before us, set before you. Now, what does the writer do? He doesn't stop by saying, look, think of these guys, David and Jephthah and Samson and Gideon and Abraham and Isaac and think, think of Moses. No, no he, he says, be inspired by them. Learn from them. I've even articulated to you what we can glean in their lives that will cause you to be inspired But it's as if at the end of verse 1, he says, right, forget it now. Forget them now. You're not looking to them as your source. Be inspired by them. 
to do what they did. They didn't look within themselves, so don't look to them. Isaac didn't look within himself. Abraham didn't look within himself. Moses didn't look within himself. Moses saw him who is invisible. And now you be inspired by them, but they are not the source of your faith. You'll not find the endurance you need in them. Be inspired by them. Be inspired by their biography. But now, looking to Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured, see that word? (laughs) Endurance, endurance, endured the cross. He had his own race. Jesus had his own race. He had a race set before him. Looking to Jesus now, the founder and perfecter of our faith. One translation reads, the author and finisher of our faith. He's the one who started faith on the inside of you, and he's the one who will bring it to completion. If you have a book, there's an author. And if you have faith, there's a founder. There's an author of that faith, and it is Jesus himself. Looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross. His race was a race, if you like, to the cross, despising the shame, and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. Next words, consider him who endured. Endured, there's that word again. Consider him who endured from sinners such hostility against himself so that you may not grow weary or faint-hearted. So we come to chapter 13. Like us to read verse 7. Remember your leaders, those who spoke to you the word of God. Consider the outcome of their way of life and imitate their faith. These are prescriptive words, not merely describing something. They are telling us something to do. When a doctor writes a prescription, he's saying, get this, take this, take these tablets three times a day, whatever the prescription might be. He's telling you to do something. Here we're told to do something. Remember your leaders. Okay, What kind of leaders? Civil leaders? Political leaders? No, uh, spiritual leaders. Those who spoke to you the word of God. Now, this could have been a pastor, a parent, a teacher. Maybe it was a work colleague who told you about Jesus and the gospel. But the writer is saying, remember that. And not just remember that, remember them. Remember your leaders, those who spoke to you the word of God. Hmm. Do you see, again, the appeal to biography? How so? Look at the next phrase. Consider the outcome of their way of life. Think about their biography. Think about their life, how they were, Hopefully, 
someone you can imitate. Think about their full life. Consider the outcome of their way of life. In other words, think about what God did over the course of their lifetime. Maybe it was a business leader who spoke the word of God to you, but he had influence in your life because you're now following Jesus because of him, because of her. Maybe it was a, a mom, but you look at her life and she had the stuff of life. Everyone's got stuff, things that are happening in their lives that you may or may not know about. There's been times, I'm sure it's true for every preacher, when you just want to get up on a Sunday and say, nobody knows the trouble I've seen. Do you understand what happened at two in the morning today? Uh, no, that's not your assignment. You preach the word. <laughs> in season and out of season. And we all go through our stuff. But the mom who may have led you to Christ had her stuff. Think about her life. Think about her outcome in life. Consider. So we're told two things already in this verse. Remember and consider. Remember your leaders. I had the wonderful opportunity just over a decade ago to trace the man who led me to Christ in preaching when I was 14 years old. His name, Cliff Beasley, was in Chester in England, and I was able to track him down and say, I'm one of the converts of many, I'm sure, who can say I'm still following Christ. He was overjoyed to hear from me decades later, because it was 1980 when I was brought to Christ under his ministry. It was good for me to remember him, and it was good for uh, his encouragement too, but it was good for me. Remember, here's a man who's still serving Christ all these decades later. And that's what we're told to do, be inspired by biography. I was able to ask him, what have you been doing? Where have you been pastoring, and what, what's going on? Consider the outcome of their way of life and imitate their faith. I'm glad, I'm so glad we read these words because not always when we think about the leaders who led us to Christ do we have good things to think about. Sometimes it's been a calamitous story that has happened and uh, not everyone who uh, is out there in Christian ministry is the real deal and that comes to show over time. But for those who are still walking with the Lord and have a testimony, think about their life and imitate their faith. Don't be inspired by them and stop there. Imitate their faith. Their faith wasn't ever in themselves. It was in God. Have faith in God. Imitate their faith. You see, when you get around people and when you learn about people, you'll realize people are flawed. The best of us. You think of the greats that God has used in church history. Martin Luther. Amazing, but flawed. <laughs> All of them. Um, think through. All of the greats in church history, and God has only had one qualified person ever work for him, in the sense of perfect. That's the Lord Jesus Christ himself. The rest, you get around them, you're going to see flaws. The men and the women of God that God uses are flawed. How amazing God uses flawed people because, 
again, if it was up to us, we'd just send angels out to preach the gospel because they wouldn't have flaws and they would preach correctly. They would herald the good news without bias and without misrepresentation. But God has chosen those who are redeemed, flawed sinners, to preach the gospel. Consider the outcome of their way of life and imitate their faith. It's been well said over and over. The best of men are men at best. So you and I will see flaws, but the message here, don't let that be the focus. Consider the outcome of their way of life. Yeah, there may have been flaws, but look what Luther did. Look what Calvin did. Look, look, look what Swingley did. Look what Jonathan Edwards did, Spurgeon, and on and on and on. Look what they did in spite of their humanity being on display at certain times. So we're told three things. Remember them. Who? The leaders who spoke the word of God to you. Second, consider the outcome of their way of life. In other words, consider what God did over the course of their lifetime. Not just in a moment, not just in a brief spell, but consider their full lifetime, how they had impact. And then imitate their faith. Don't focus on their flaws. Don't try and recall all their mistakes or their sins. But recall their faith and imitate it. Recall that which sustained them even in hard times. Consider their legacy, what they've left behind. Even though you know the best of men are men at best. So, being aware of flaws, understand you're always going to see flaws. And that's why just as in Hebrews 11, we go straight into Hebrews 12, now looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, King James Version. So here, we think of our leaders and we're told to remember, consider and imitate them. But that's not where the writer leaves us. What's the next words? What's the next verse? It's a verse we love. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday and today and forever. This is a verse that has been abused. Some have used it to say he's doing the exact same thing today as he was doing yesterday and will do forever. No, there'll be no need of uh, miracles in heaven. That He won't be doing miracles forever in that sense of having healing services and healing all who are sick. And certainly in the past, there were times of uh, very special, unique times under Moses where miracles occurred and uh, Elijah and Elisha, but when we read our Bibles, there are not miracles on every page. So this is not saying that Jesus is doing the same things yesterday, today, and forever. It's talking about his character. Notice that. It's not saying Jesus Christ does the same things yesterday, today, and forever. It says Jesus Christ is the same yesterday and today and forever. And in context now, I think we can understand what's being said here. Jesus Christ is unchanging, unlike the best of leaders you view. Unlike the best of them. Jesus Christ is 
worthy of your trust and full attention. He's the one you look to. Imitate the faith of the leaders by looking to Jesus Christ. It's the same message, isn't it? Looking to Jesus Christ because he is the same yesterday and today and forever. Look at his unchanging character, the unchanging character of Jesus Christ. Another thing to point out with this verse is that this is not a reference to his humanity. There was a difference between Jesus as a baby and Jesus as a 12-year-old and Jesus as a man. For sure, our humanity is continually under a state of flux or in a state of flux. It's changing. You're not the same person you were yesterday or 10 years ago or 20 years ago or 100 years ago. It didn't even exist, <laughs> right? Except in the mind of God, he knew you were coming. But so it is. Our humanity is always undergoing change. This is a verse that says, no, not, not Jesus. He's the same. Whether you're looking back yesterday, observing him today, or will observe him forever, he's the same. What's in view then? It's not a reference to his humanity, which does undergo change. This is a reference to the deity of Christ. It's one of those words, one of those verses that though the word God or the word divine is not in play, you don't see that, that's what's in view. Jesus Christ is changeable in terms of his humanity as we've observed it from the birth in Bethlehem to his preaching on the, uh, at the Sermon on the Mount event. Yeah, the humanity undergoes change. His divinity, not so. It's a reference to his deity. Properly understood, Hebrews 13.8 testifies to the divinity of Christ. God doesn't change. Malachi chapter 3 and verse 6 says, I am the Lord, I do not change. And Jesus Christ is God, and he is the same past, present, and future. This is the doctrine of immutability. Human beings are mutable. That means we're capable of change. God is not. He's immutable. I am the Lord, I do not change. So, isn't that the message? Jesus is the same. You have your race to undergo and be inspired as you recall Hebrew history, Christian history, because the Hebrew history is the basis of the Christian history. Remember your leaders. They found the ability to endure by looking to the unchanging Christ now you do the same, looking to Jesus. So Hebrews 11, heroes of the Old Testament. Hebrews 13, your leaders, the preachers, the teachers, those who have spoken the word of God to you. Let me say this, I believe by extension, there's a principle involved here. What's that? We can draw much in the way of staying power, endurance, 
through the inspiration of biography, the story of people's lives. We can be inspired by Christian biographies. I think by extension, that's what we're reading about. If you don't know Abraham, read his story. If you don't know about your leaders that led you to Christ, well, talk to people who were also led by the same leaders. Find out about them. Find out what their struggle was because know this, they had their struggles. Everyone's got their stuff. We, and I, I can speak for myself, I've, I've been so inspired at times by reading Christian biographies. William Tyndale. If you're not a reader, just check out and Google Steve Lawson, William Tyndale. You'll find both in book form and in video form the amazing story of the tenacity of William Tyndale. He was relentless. He labored night and day, even though it meant banishment from his home country of England. He never got back there. Such was his zeal to translate the Bible into English from the original Hebrew and the original Greek. He was an amazing scholar, but he was also a man with backbone. Oh, did he have backbone. It's an inspiring story. And I think about my own life and I think, how can I be inspired to look to the same God that William Tyndale did? And in a sense, reading of Tyndale makes me want to look to Tyndale's God. Do you see what I mean by that? The God that he loved, that he trusted. George Whitfield, as an evangelist, you, you read about him and you can't help but be inspired. On both sides of the Atlantic, George Whitfield was a mammoth. He could go into fields in the southern part of England and 10, 20, 30,000 people show up because Whitfield's going to preach. He had an amazing drawing power and just this clean life. C.H. Spurgeon. The Prince of Preachers, I don't know, uh, but it could be the case that he's the person I quote most. Seems to be that he's the person most people quote most. When you find something Spurgeon says on a theme and on a subject, you kind of don't need to look anywhere else. He nails it every time. Yet he had a lifelong struggle with depression. He had his stuff. He had a lot of stuff, in fact. A lot of it he kept to himself but it's coming out in the last couple of decades, especially books about his struggle, lifelong struggle with depression. You wouldn't know it because he accomplished so much and he pressed through. And there are times when you and I are tired and we have to press through. Be inspired by biography. C.H. Spurgeon pressed through. What he was able to accomplish under God he died at the age of 57, having accomplished so, so much and yet was battered and bruised emotionally, had terrible health issues. Gout was an extreme thing he dealt with oftentimes. And he died basically of what we would now call kidney failure. He had tough times, but he pressed through. Be inspired by these people. Don't look to them, but look to the God they served. 
So, when you think of Spurgeon and you realize, wow, his preaching, it so lifts, it so elevates. Yes, because he found his elevation in God, even though a couple of hours before he might have been battling the severest of depression, he pressed through. And so we can ask, well, what did he do? How did he look to Christ? How did he look to Christ in his pain and anguish of heart? Because that will encourage me to do the same thing. So we've got the Hebrews 11 heroes. We've got the leaders. But they're not the source of our faith. We look to Jesus Christ. But all of them, and by extension, Christian biographies of our own day or in former days, William Carey, read of his mission to start missions. He really is the founder of the missionary movement throughout the world. Tremendous reformed in his theology and yet realized God has got his elect in every corner of the earth because we read in the book of Revelation that there's going to be a worship service in heaven where the redeemed by Jesus Christ are singing praise worthy is the lamb out of every tribe, tongue, people, group, and nation. And understanding divine election didn't cause him to say, well, they're going to be saved anyway if they're elect. No, they're elect. Let's go reach them. And evangelism and missions is the roundup of the sheep. You read about William Carey. Very, very inspiring. I believe if we have this clue from Scripture, it can help us to endure. Do you need help today? Do you need help to endure? We know we should. We are in need of endurance. Well, Christian biography is one of the components that will put steel, backbone, grit in your heart and life and the determination to endure. Looking back, we can see these men and women of God. We can see the race assignment they had. And we have our own race assignment too. What is that? The very circumstances you're in right now. We might wish it were different. We might wish that it was something else. But it isn't. It's exactly this. That's our race. To look to Christ, to look to Jesus in the midst of our suffering, the high points and the low points in life, the mountaintops and the depths of the valley, whatever it is, all things are are decreed by God and all things work together for good to those who love God, who are called according to his purpose. This trial is making me more like Jesus. May I look to Jesus and endure this trial just as others have have let their lifestyle empower me to look to the same God they did. Looking to Jesus, the author and the perfecter of our faith. Let us run with endurance the race set before us. Let's pray. Father, thank you for the word of God, how wonderful it is. And thank you that the word also tells us to remember, to consider, and to imitate. 
May we be those who imitate our God and his servants by looking to God, beyond the servants of God, to the God of the servants. May we be true, faithful servants and slaves of Jesus Christ. And may we endure seeing him who is invisible. We ask in Jesus' name, amen.